you, Jesus. And uh, in Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 25, Mark 5, 25. And we'll just kind of review a little bit the, the things that we talked about last week and then get into some new things tonight. But it says, but we didn't talk about this part last week, but I just want to show you something here. Mark 5, 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Well, praise God. This is a something we can study because Jesus said to her, a daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. And so we know that there's some principles of faith that are in this passage of scripture that we can even use in our own lives. Now you heard Pastor Buzzy say, and I have too, that this woman had natural human faith because she was not born again. She did not have the God kind of faith. When you were born again, the Bible says that there was the fruit of the Spirit was put into you, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. And so you have the faith of God. Jesus told his disciples, he said, have the faith of God. He was talking to them prophetically about the future of what they were going to have. They were going to have the faith of God or the faith like God has it. And so we have a faith that cannot fail in our hearts. We have the faith of God in us. And we are not like the woman with the issue of blood in one area. And that is that she had to go and go and find a way to touch Jesus. We don't have to hunt Jesus down or any other minister for that matter because we have the healer living on the inside of us. So that's the only difference though. The principles of faith. And so I was a little bit... Uh, confused about this when I first heard Pastor Buzzy teaching. I'd studied this scripture over and over for several years and this passage of scripture and I was a little confused because I was like okay, you know, because I knew there was some there was truth here and yet I'm like okay, so we called Pastor Buzzy literally up on the telephone and said okay what's the difference between natural human faith and the God kind of faith and he said nothing. He said they work absolutely the same way. Natural human faith works just exactly like the God kind of faith does. So we can take this passage of scripture and we can, we can model our faith that is the God kind of faith after this, after this passage of scripture. But we just have to, we need to see it. I will have a higher kind of faith. We'll walk higher if we understand that God lives on the inside of us and that the healer is right inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. But I wanted us to look because last week I gave you three parts to faith and I wanted us to see those. All three parts were in this woman's faith. We talked about last week that faith believes the word. In other words, it acknowledges that the word is true. I want you to notice that it says in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus. Now it talks about she heard about Jesus and she had to believe. 
when she heard about Jesus, she believed. Not everybody that heard about Jesus in those days believed, did they? But when she heard about Jesus, she believed. She acknowledged the truth, that this is truth. I recognize this is truth. And she, she, had a, she acknowledged that, the, that this was truth and she believed, in, she believed the words she heard. And then we've said last week that faith has great hope. I want you to see her hope. In verse 28, she said, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Look at that passage, I shall be whole. This woman had a vision of herself being whole. She had a hope and she had a vision of herself being completely whole. She could see it. She could feel it. She could taste it. If I can just touch him, I'll be whole. And so she had great hope. And we know that faith always has hope. And then number three last week, the third part of faith is we found out that faith is fully persuaded. Now the passages of scripture here never really say that she's fully persuaded. But we know that she was fully persuaded because this woman was, had an issue of blood which was considered to be unclean by the Jews and she was not to go out in public she was not to walk within certain distance of everybody else and if she did that and was caught she could be stoned and I'm sure that all her friends and neighbors knew because for many years she had, she had stayed out of public places stayed on the perimeters of society and so they knew she was unclean they knew she had a problem. The doctors, they said she had gone to many doctors and she was nothing better but rather grew worse. So the doctors knew that she was unclean. And here she is. This woman had to be fully persuaded because she goes to all this trouble to press through a great multitude of people in danger of being stoned and she presses through and here she comes up right in front of who? Jairus who is the ruler of the synagogue. This is the man that can have her stoned for being out in public and what she's pressed through right interrupts him he, they're on the way to Jairus' house Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house and she is so fully persuaded that she presses through this, all this situation and that's what faith does is faith presses through the circumstances hallelujah she pressed through all her circumstances now there's a fourth part to faith and we see this very clearly in this passage of scripture is there's always an act to faith. Faith always acts. Faith doesn't just sit back and say someday God's going to heal me. Faith says I'm healed and, and gets up max on it. Amen. Hallelujah. And there's different ways to act. Sometimes acting can be what you say. Sometimes acting, and we need to ask, when we're believing God for something, we need to say, now Father, I know that there's an act to faith. What would you have me to do to act in faith? And faith is not acting to try to get God to do something. Faith does not throw your glasses out of the window of the car trying to get God to heal you. Faith does not stomp on glasses, so your glasses trying to get, show God, I'm going to show you I have faith, Lord, so you will heal me. You don't even have faith if you're thinking like that. You're not in faith. You're not in Bible faith if you're thinking like that. Faith does, not, faith does not act in trying to get God to heal me. And we've all done that. I've thrown, I tell you, in my younger days, I threw sinus, I could get all the sinus medication up out and throw it out. You know, go put it in the dumpster. Went to great lengths. I didn't just throw it in the trash. I went all the way out to the alley. You know, in Texas we have alleys. And I went all the way out to the alley and put it in the dipsy dumpster. Hallelujah. And uh, just to show God I had faith to try to get him to heal me, I didn't want this sinus infection that I had. Hallelujah. And by nightfall, I wished I had that 
that, that sinus medication, hallelujah. Because, see, I was trying to get God to heal me instead of, uh, hallelujah. Be, it, there's world of difference in trying to throw something away, trying to get God to heal you, than even knowing you're healed and taking the sinus medication. Hallelujah. I'm not advocating either one. I want to get to the place, and I know you do, where you don't even, hallelujah, we don't even have to have sinus medication or nothing in our house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we're getting there. We are getting there. If you knew how many pills most people take, you'd know you're pretty far along. You could, you'd pat yourself on the back and say, you're getting there. You're getting there. Hallelujah. And so you're, and, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, there are people that carry suitcases of pills around with them. Hallelujah. Now, and, and so we're getting there. We're getting there all the time. And uh, <clears throat> so faith is fully persuaded. This woman had to be completely persuaded. And then she acted on her faith. Look, she, she did something. She, she, she didn't say, well, now, Lord, if you want me to be healed, now just send Jesus to my house. Now, and people pray things like that all the time. Now, Lord, if you want me to be healed, have him walk down my street uh, of, you know, where I live. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, and Lord, if you want me to be healed, have him call me out. That's a big one in churches. People go to church, the special speaker, have him call me out if you want me to be healed. Well, you're healed whether he ever calls you out or not. Amen. Jesus called you out on the cross. He did. Hallelujah. So we see all of these things in the woman of the issue of blood. Now I want to give you some characteristics of faith. I've got, uh, the Holy Ghost gave me 30. And all of them in the book of Hebrews. So go ahead and get over into the book of Hebrews. And turn to first to Hebrews 4.14. We won't belabor each one of these. Uh, we'll just look at them. Hebrews is such a faith book and it's just a wonderful place to sit down and meditate faith in the book of Hebrews and I was just doing that one afternoon and begin to mark and underline some things and it'll really encourage your faith, Hebrews will and you know one thing about it, when you're in a faith walk when you're believing God for healing or finances or any, any situation, anything you're believing God for one thing you've got to do is constantly encourage your faith the Bible says David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And it's not enough. You need to come to church on Sunday. I tell you, it, it, it'll, it, it'll encourage your faith when you're in church. That's one reason to come. I've told it before that my mom, when she's going through a nasty divorce and all sorts of emotional problems because of it, one thing she had sense enough to do was to get to church because she knew she got the strength to get from Sunday to Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, she got the strength to get to Sunday. And all that in a Baptist church, she, go, she gathered strength there. And how much more do you get a word of encouragement? Do you get something that'll put you, that key that'll give you, get you, and you know, hallelujah, praise God, get you closer to where you're going. Amen. So, you, but you also have to be able to encourage yourself in the Lord because the enemy likes to strike at night, in the middle of the night. Hallelujah. There's, I can't tell you the times that I've woke up in the middle of the night with a thought of fear. Uh, uh, and you know, that's the devil. Amen. That's not God waking you up telling you you ain't going to make it. You know, that's the devil. And so you've got to be able to encourage yourself in the Lord. Number one, in Hebrews 4.14, let's read that. It says, uh, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
let us hold fast our profession, or that word in actually means confession. So let us hold fast our confession. Uh, one of the characteristics of faith is that faith holds fast its confession. Faith holds fast. Faith says, faith talks faith. Faith talks positive. Faith says I'm winning. Faith says I'm getting better every day. Faith says I'm, I'm improving all the time. Faith holds fast to that confession. Faith doesn't just talk faith when it's at church and when it's in front of Miss Debbie and Pastor because you want them to think you're in faith. Faith holds fast. It's confession when it goes home and is with husband who, who don't even really believe. You know? And the devil will try to pull you off sides in your confession. He'll turn up the heat. You know, the devil turned up the heat in the fiery furnace on the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he heated it up, I forget how many times hotter, but a bunch hotter, seven times hotter. Well, thank you, Kevin. Anyway, he heated it up seven times hotter. He's so smart, and look, he is dressed. I tell you, whoo, I like that. Anyway, <laughs> he is cool today. He's styling. And anyway, I like that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jonathan, you need to get you one of those. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'll ask Kevin where he bought it. But anyway, the devil heated that up seven. I'm trying not to embarrass you, Kevin. I'm just playing with you. But I do really like that. Hallelujah. Anyway, he uh, heated that fiery furnace up seven times hotter. And the devil wants you to break your confession. He wants you to say, I'm broke. He wants you to say, I don't know how we're going to make it this month. He's looking to get you to break your confession. And so a lot of times when you start believing in faith, things get worse before they get better. Why? Because the devil heats the fiery furnace up seven times hotter to get you off your faith and off your profession. But faith holds fast. Number two, Hebrews 4.3. Hallelujah. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So faith rests. Faith rests. Those that believe have entered into rest. You'll know when you are in Bible faith. You'll know when you've believed. You know, sometimes we're confessing the word just to get to the place where we do believe. Not nothing wrong with that. That's good. We can, sometimes we confess the word until we do believe. We read the word until we do believe. We renew our mind until we do believe. And you'll know when you've really believed when you enter into rest. When you're not worried about it anymore. When you're not fretting about it anymore. When you're not crying about it anymore. As long as you're worrying and fretting and every time somebody walks up and says, Oh, you know, I heard the doctor said you had a... <laughs> Well, you know you're not in faith. As long as you're all crying about it because you're not at rest. You're not at peace. You're not, hallelujah, you're not at the place where everything's going to be okay. All is well. Now that's rest. When you, if you're not sleeping at night because you're thinking about it, you're not resting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So faith, there's a rest to faith. Faith is at peace. Faith is, not, faith is not anxious. Faith does not have an anxious mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith is not having to tell all the neighbors about it and tell everybody that comes up all about the problem. Faith's at rest and don't even hardly know it's got a problem. Amen. 
Number three, Hebrews 3, 6. These are not in any particular order. Just wrote them down as I got them. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ as the son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Faith holds fast. It holds fast two things. It holds fast confidence. Faith is very confident. So sometimes people that don't understand faith, they think we're cocky. They think we're arrogant. And you know, faith nearly has a little bit of arrogance. I mean, it kind of looks like arrogance. It looks a little cocky. It says, man, I'm wealthy. It says, I'm prosperous. It says, I'm healed. Hallelujah. It says God's going to work it out. It says it won't be as bad as you say it's going to be. It says I've got favor. Amen. And faith holds fast to that confidence and it has a rejoicing about it. Faith is full of rejoicing. Like I said, it's not sniffling and crying. Faith is rejoicing. You know, when we get to the place, and I don't say that I'm completely there yet, but Brother Hagen, I heard him say that when his kids would get sick, he, he, he would just get excited. Not because he liked his kids to be sick, but he would just say, Oh God, another opportunity to show how big you are and how little the devil is. You know, and of course he, he had uh, developed his faith. And, and he talks, he always told on his tapes how uh, <clears throat> his kids only cost him, I think he, his kids only cost him $40 the whole time they was growing up or something. And that was to get the doctor charged, charged to bring Pat for, in the world $40. Got, got Ken here free, but something about Pat cost $40 or something. And so, you know, and he never spent anything on the doctor. He had, why? He had developed his faith. Not because he was some kind of superhero, a faith superhero. You know, I used to think that God had favorites and that Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland, that they had a, they had a special uh, anointing and they you know it was easier for them than it was for me and you know when we were very young in the Lord the Lord spoke to me one day and he said Debbie everybody has to climb the same ladder and everybody has to touch every rung the same way there's just been some people climbing longer than you and they've been and they're climbing harder and faster than you are maybe but everybody has to climb the same ladder and everybody has to touch every rung and so hallelujah if you want it get to climbing if you want it go after it hallelujah turn the tube off and go after it hallelujah one advantage brother Hagen had is when he was studying faith TV wasn't in the way it was just getting started, and it, and it was black and white. Hallelujah. So um, <clears throat> it, there's a rejoicing about faith. Faith rejoices. Faith is not scared. Faith is rejoicing. Faith is not, and, and you know, we've all been there when at first when, when we, we had an attack of the devil, and our first reaction is fear. But one thing we got to do is really quickly act on that and get rid of the fear. Get in the word, get rid of the fear, because we're not going to get anywhere with the fear. I like Keith Moore said this one time. He said, uh, you're not going to be much good on this earth. and uh, uh, You're not going to be much good at living until you're not afraid to die. And you know, there's a lot of Christians that know they're going to go to heaven. I was one of them, but I was still real afraid of death and dying. Very afraid. I was so afraid of death. And my mom owned a flower shop. And you know, flower florists have to go into the funeral home. And I mean, I would not take a flower into that funeral home 
I was the, when I worked for her at the flower shop, they only let me tie bows. That's why I'm such a good bow tire. They let me tie bows, and they let me take orders over the phone and make deliveries, but I wasn't going to that funeral home. Why? Because I was afraid of death, and I was afraid of dying. And I don't know, I was like afraid it's going to get on me. And you, you know, the florist has to go and pin the boutonniere on the body. You couldn't have paid me to pin that boutonniere on that. You, there wasn't enough money in Gaines County for me to put the boutonniere on that body. Why? Because I was afraid of death and I was afraid of dying. Hallelujah. But I was a Christian and I knew I was going to heaven. I was absolutely positive I was going to heaven. But we got to get past that fears. We got to get past and we got to get to the place where we don't fear the devil and we know he can't kill us. He can't kill us. Jesus said, I gave my life. He, the devil couldn't kill me. And if you'll stay in faith, he can't kill you either. Amen. Hallelujah. Number four, uh, let's look in Hebrews 3.14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. I wrote faith out in my margin. We are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. Faith begins and ends the same. Faith doesn't start out all excited. You know, here at church, pastor preaches on prosperity and praise God, we're excited. We're the one running around the room. We're jumping and a shouting and then we go home, look at our checkbook and we're all depressed. No, faith ends, starts the same and ends the same. It's just as, it's just as excited on the day it starts as it is on the day it ends. And it don't matter how long it is in between. Faith starts, the, the, it holds the beginning of its faith, of its confidence, steadfast unto the end. Uh, number five, Hebrews 6 1. We're going to get through this. Keeps, <laughs> Hebrews 6 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Look at that right in the middle, that little two little words. Go on. It, faith keeps going. It goes on. It doesn't have a time limit. People that are putting time limits on God, they're trying faith. I'm going to try this. If it doesn't happen in a month, they, you know, they're discouraged. They tithe, and if it's not tithe, no, we're in it for the long haul. I believe that the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous, and I don't care how long it takes. I believe that there is that I that that I believe Mark four uh, Mark ten twenty nine. That I'm having a hundredfold return in this lifetime, and I don't know when it's coming, but I'm not putting any time limits on it. And I'm not putting, oh, you know, if I'm not healed by Monday. No, hallelujah, praise God. I'll just, I'm, on a, my, I'm holding myself steadfast, I'm holding my confidence the same, and I'm, uh, I keep on going. It doesn't have a time limit, it doesn't get mad at God. True faith is teachable and correctable and is looking to be perfected. You know, if we're really in Bible faith, we'll know that we don't have, we, we, we won't have be, faith has a little arrogant attitude about it in one sense, but on the other hand, faith is very humble and, and, and is, and is uh, always looking to be, to be brought to a higher place. Always looking to see what I can believe better, how I can say it more accurately, how I, you know, always looking for that. And so uh, uh, faith just keeps on going, just has no time limit. Number six, Hebrews 6, 11. 
And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Faith is diligent. Faith is lazy. Faith is diligent. It keeps doing the right thing. Faith is not uh, believing. Faith is not saying, well, and I'm not saying faith doesn't ever watch TV, but it's not laying up there hoping God will do something watching the price is right. Faith is diligent. Faith is not lazy. Faith gets up and acts. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Faith keeps doing the right thing is what I wrote down. Number 7, verse 12 of chapter 6. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We talked about this a little bit, but look how teachable faith is. It's looking for success keys in other people's faith. It looks in the Bible to Bible heroes and looks at their success keys, looks at the woman with the issue of blood and finds the, the principles of faith that she worked and says, I can do that. I can do that. I can do like Jairus did. Looks at Jairus and meditates on how uh, the people came to him and gave him the bad report. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his little girl. And they came and said, oh, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter's already died. And, and Jesus turned to him and he said, and he said uh, don't fear, only believe. And faith meditates on that. Faith is very teachable. And faith, faith in verse 12 there says, that you be not slothful, but followers of them that who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Nothing faith likes better than to get a good testimony book about how somebody got healed, how somebody got prospered, how somebody got their, how got their faith answered. Faith is not looking for an excuse not to believe and saying, well, you know, this stuff ain't stuff don't work. Listen, there's a whole bunch of people. There's a million people that made it work before you and you can make it work too and I can make it work God I'd tell the Lord that Lord if this ever worked for anybody it has to work for me now Lord just show me anything I need to adjust anything I need to do and you do that because faith is teachable number 8 Hebrews 6 12 that ye be not slothful this we already read this verse but let's get something else out of it that ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises and look in verse 15 and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So faith is patient. One of the characteristics is faith is patient. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Faith is not impatient. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just got to settle down and say, okay, God's not a slot machine. God's not McDonald's. 30 seconds from the order to the window. Hallelujah. And if there's something causing me not to have instant manifestations, of course, our goal is to get where Jesus was and have instant manifestations. But if there's something keeping us from that, it's not God withholding from us. He withholds no good thing from them that walk uprightly. So that's what the Bible tells us. So it's not God withholding. So it must be something I need to work out in my own heart, in my own life. Maybe I need to adjust my love walk. We've been talking about love a lot lately in the prayer room. Maybe I need to adjust my love walk. You know, I could ever, Brother Hagin used to say, a step out of love is a step out of faith. Every step out of love is a step out of faith. So when I do anything ill to my neighbor, you know, we may think, oh, that was just a little thing. They probably didn't even notice. But I'll tell you something, God noticed. The devil noticed. God noticed, the devil noticed. 
Hallelujah. They may not have noticed, but God did. So um, faith is very patient. Number nine, Hebrews 10.35. Even patient with yourself. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10.35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Say, great recompense, great recompense. of reward. Say, great reward. Great reward. Say, my faith, my faith has great reward. Say, I won't cast it away. You know, that's exactly what the devil's trying to get you to do. He knows you're in a fight of faith. He knows you're believing God, and he's trying to get you to cast away your confidence. But it says faith does not cast away its confidence. Faith doesn't have a pity party. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. It's kind of like these games where you have to go back to square one and start again. You know, Candyland, you can go down. You, uh, I've been playing Candyland a little here lately. Hallelujah. And you can, if you land on the wrong thing, you get on a little chute and it'll take you back to the bottom again, you know. Hallelujah. Y'all know about that? You get the wrong thing, that, that wicked lady. and uh, Hallelujah. And uh, that's why, you know, when we, when we have a blowout in our faith, we kind of have to go back to square one. We got to clean up the mess in our hearts. We got to repent to God. We got we to gotta start over and believe we receive when we pray. Because why we, and some of us, we're just not getting anywhere in our faith walk because we're always having to start over. Because why? Because when the devil poked us a little, we cast away our confidence. We add a pity party. We give up. Or say something like this. This is what I always used to say I just can't take it anymore. Y'all ever say, God, I just can't take it anymore? Go back to square one. Start over, Debbie. Because you just cast away your confidence. And the fact is, you can take it. Hallelujah. Faith may grit its teeth as Satan turns up the heat. There is a grace to walk by faith. We can call on grace. How many, how many of us are diligent to call on grace? When things get tough, how many of you call on... How many of you just stop and say, Father, thank you for your grace to do this. Thank you for your grace to get to church today. No, most of us get in the bed and cover up our head. Hallelujah. Well, not this crowd. I'm preaching to the ones that got out on a rainy night. But a lot of people just get in the bed and cover up their head and say, Oh, I just can't take anymore. I just can't do it today. Well, you could if you'd call on the grace of God. We could do a lot more if we'd call on the grace of God. Man, there have been people, there have been people that... that um, did all sorts of miraculous, un, just beyond human ability things. Why? Because the grace of God was on them and because they called on that grace. We ought to be calling on the grace of God just in our everyday life. Hallelujah. Just for living. Uh, hallelujah. Um, number 10, Hebrews 10, 38. Hallelujah. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Faith doesn't draw back from believing. If any man draw back, God, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say he doesn't love you. He says he doesn't have any pleasure in you. He's not enjoying you when you're drawing back from faith. Kind of like you don't enjoy your children when they're being disobedient, but you still love them. 
but you're not enjoying them right then. Amen? He says he doesn't have any pleasure in that. His soul, God has a soul. He has emotions. God has emotions like we do. And so his emo he's not emotionally enjoying this when you draw back from your faith walk. He wants you to keep on believing. Um, so we just keep on going, don't we? Hebrews 11.1 1. <clears throat> Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Number 11, faith is spirit realm conscious. Look at that again in verse uh, one, uh, 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is very conscious of the things not seen. In fact, faith sees them just like they were there. I know when we, before we even started this building back here, I know the Lord spoke to us, remember? If y'all remember that summer, we were going to have a July 4th hot dog supper or something. And the Lord said, by faith, won't you go out and break ground? And you know, it seemed kind of strange because we didn't have a penny money. We didn't, we didn't have nothing to, to build a building in the back with. But we, if y'all remember, if you were here, we took shovels. I think we had a couple of shovels and two or three people got up there and, and we, we wasn't even pretty. I mean, it was kind of awkward. Everybody just kind of, thank you, Lord, and put a little shovel, dirt a shovel, kind of pitched it to side, and we said we broke ground. We did that by faith. Well, you know, as we would kept believing God and meditating on that, before long... I mean, I could see that building back there. I could see it in my heart and mind just like it was there. But it wasn't there. But man, I could see it. I could walk down the hall and my, and just, you know, I was, I was spirit realm conscious. Now, I'm not saying I've always been that way on every faith adventure I've been on. But in that situation, uh, we were, it was just, it was done. It was, it was there. It was ours. We had it. It was, it got, I could see it. Hallelujah. Faith is very conscious of the spirit realm. Faith is very conscious of the unseen realm. Faith is more conscious of the unseen realm uh, than it is of the seen. But you know, if you're so, if you can, you got to be more inside conscious than you are body conscious. You got to be more conscious of what's living on the inside of you and of that spirit man. Because your spirit man's 100% whole, and all you have to do is get it to seep out into the body. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Number 12. Uh, Hebrews 11.2 For by it the elders obtained a good report. Faith always has a good report. When you ask faith, how are you doing? Faith does not say, oh, my sacroiliac. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, my, my arthritis. Oh, you know, faith has a good report. Hallelujah. Faith always says, I'm healed, whole, and healthy. I'm blessed. Oh, hallelujah. You know, and that really gets people attention. I mean, you know, do you, Pastor and I don't always feel blessed. We don't always feel good. But when we're out about in town, people say, how are you doing? Michael say, I'm blessed. And they always, some of them kind of look at you funny. Some of them say, well, that's good. But some kind of like, I don't, I don't ever heard anybody say they're blessed. Some people say, well, I'm okay. Or have you ever heard this? How you doing? Oh, I'm fair to meddling. 
Anybody, does they say fair to meddling in Alabama? Fair to meddling. <laughs> That's an old-timey saying. I'm fair to kind of halfway in the middle, but not good. I'm getting by. Well, I heard this one the other day. How you doing? Well, I'm not dead yet. I heard that one recently. I'm not dead yet. Hallelujah. Huh? I'm still breathing. Well, that one's positive. Hallelujah. No, faith always has a good report. You know, and faith doesn't have to tell you all the details. Faith doesn't have to, faith doesn't have, you know, faith knows you don't have to know. And especially, pe- folks, people you don't know don't have to know. <laughs> oh, Lord. Mm. I want you to just listen to this week. Why don't you just give it some experiments? Why don't you just go to work this week and say, how you doing? And just see, let's just see what some of the answers you get back are. How you doing? You know, some people just say, well, fine. Fine, thank you. You know, and that's good. That's good. But, but there will be people that will give you things you didn't want to hear. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. Uh, faith obeys. Faith obeys. Faith doesn't have to have God explain to him all the whys and wherefores and why am I going here, God, and what am I going to do and how are you going to support me when we get there. And Lord, you know, and, and faith just obeys. Faith obeys the little things. You know, and unless you're willing to walk in faith and obey the little things, God is not going to have a very easy time protecting you and keeping you out of trouble. I know Melissa was sharing in the prayer room that how not too long ago going to Mississippi that the Lord said, slow down. She heard the Holy Spirit say, slow down. Now, faith don't just keep on blaring through. I don't know if she was blaring, but she might have been blaring, Jazz. Uh, <laughs> Whatever your name is up there. I can't. I I called Jerry. I don't know where that came from. Gave Barry. That was close. Anyway, faith just doesn't. Faith just. Faith. Faith don't keep blaring. Faith just slow down. Faith slows down. And she said, right ahead of her, people started putting on brakes, and she was able to stop because, you know, she had already slowed down. Hallelujah. So faith obeys. Obeys the little things. Number fifteen. Hebrews eleven eleven. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now this is uh, an important one. This is one the Lord showed me and when I was believing God. Faith will take steps to get to the answer. Did you know sometimes, no, we just want to say, Father, I pray that you give me this and we want him to hand it to us. But sometimes there's a step in between. And faith will take the steps to get to the answer. I want you to notice Sarah here. Uh, is, it wasn't just, okay, give me a baby, but she had to, there's something had to happen first. She had a faith step in between. She had to use her faith to receive strength before she could ever get to the conception part. She had two steps of her faith. First, faith to receive the strength, and then faith to conceive the seed. 
And so faith will take those steps necessary to get to the answer. Number 16, Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Faith doesn't give up. It says these people died in faith. They were, so, they were fully persuaded and they never gave up. And you know, here they had been believing some of them all their lives. And it still hadn't come. Well, you say, well, what were they were believing? Well, they were believing in the Messiah. They were believing that, they, that, 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 that God had a better way, a new and living way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you want some air to breathe in this place? Anybody want some air? Oh, let's have something to breathe. I mean, I don't care if you make it cold or hot, just give us something stirring. Hallelujah. Okay, number 17. Uh, number uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen, And we're going to read all the way down through 26. <clears throat> By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he, and, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Let me tell you. Let me just go ahead and tell you this one so you can be seeing it as we read. Faith is conscious of God's plan. Faith is conscious of God's plan. Let's read it again now. By faith Abraham, when he's tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. And by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he who had respect unto the recompense of the reward." Faith is conscious of God's plan. Faith wants God's plan more than its own way. You're going to have faith working a whole lot better in your life if you are not just trying to get something from the kingdom, but you've become a part of the kingdom and you want to, and you want to see the best for the kingdom and what you want in life, you only want it for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, you've fallen in love with God. There's a lot of people just want to work this like you'd work Amway. Or, you know, let's go over to Mississippi and let's put, a, let's put something in the slot machine and let's work a system. And, you know, the people do that concerning faith, but it doesn't work for them. Now, not God will bless them a little bit. God wants to hook them into the kingdom. And God will bless people a little bit, but he won't bless them long unless they're kingdom-minded, unless they're... Unless they've got God's plan in mind. And here, Abraham, he didn't even think about, well, I'm going to not have a son. And I want, you know, think about how much you love your firstborn. But he was so conscious of God's plan. And he so loved God and he so trusted God. He had, a, he had complete trust in God's plan. That God's plan was the best way and God was going to work it out. Hallelujah. You don't get there overnight. You have to develop that. 
He just knew God, it don't matter. If I kill him, God will raise him up. Something. God will do something. Amen. Jacob, when he was dying, conscious of God's plan, he he went to great lengths to speak that blessing on on, uh, on, uh, uh, (laughs) help me Jesus, on Joseph and and I guess that's who it was anyway. On Isaac, how by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. That's it. And then Jacob, when he's died, blessed the sons of Joseph. And by faith, Joseph, when he, you know, when Joseph was dying, he said, I want you to now, y'all remember now, when y'all leave, uh, when y'all leave Egypt, don't, don't leave my bones here. Take my bones with you. You carry my bones to Canaan land. And so, uh, see, he's thinking about God's plan. He's not even thinking about dying. He's thinking about God's plan. Get my bones to Canaan land. Yeah. I think he wanted his bones to go to Canaan land, and those only those those Israelis, those Israelites, they put his bones in a bag, and somebody can you imagine being the one assigned to drag bones and all the way across the wilderness? You're dragging a sack of bones, and you're probably thinking, "Why in the world are we dragging these bones?" Well, I'll tell you why he wanted his bones jugged to Israel, or one reason it might be is remember, see, he see they saw it, they saw Jesus. They saw the resurrection. They saw what was going to happen. They had seen it by faith. And they were believing. And you know, hallelujah. And he wanted to be one of those that when Jesus was resurrected and he came back for 40 days, it says the graves opened up. Hallelujah. And people that had came forth, I think he wanted to be one. I don't know if he got to be one, but he wanted to be. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Okay. Verse number 18, Hebrews eleven twenty-eight. I don't know if we'll get it done or not, but we're not going to hurry. We got till Jesus comes back. <laughs> Hebrews eleven twenty-eight. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Is that what I was supposed to read? Help me, Lord. I've got so many here that I'm losing my place ever. <clears throat> That's not right. Hallelujah. I wrote down the wrong scripture. Y'all can find it for me. But um, the, the scripture that I want here is the one in Hebrews that says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Hebrews 10. Did I type it in wrong? Hebrews 10. Uh, da, da, huh? 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Faith stays connected to the life source. I want to tell you, if you want your faith to work, you're going to have to stay connected to the life source. Number 19, Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Faith sets aside everything else to see an accomplished goal. Is how bad do you want it? You may have to set aside some things, some weights. There can be some things that aren't necessarily wrong, that are not necessarily wrong, but they can be weighting you down. You know, a lot of times we like to talk about how much time we don't have, how busy we are. Most of us are just busy with busy stuff. 
We're not really busy with eternal stuff. And you know what? We should never be too busy to get healed. Because if you're too busy to get healed, you're going to fix it and not be busy at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, it's like, well, I'm just so busy. I can't, I can't, not, fe- I can't not feed my kids and I can't not do this. And, and so I can't take the time that it's going to take for me to, to get in the Word and get healed. But those kids are fixing to be fixing their own sandwiches if you don't do something. So why don't you just let them fix their own sandwiches? Part of the way I got my faith developed was, uh, and y'all, and it's just finding the time every day. <clears throat> and I know people think this is cruel, and, oh my God, but they, you know they survived. But I just showed Colin and Eric where the cereal was. And here's the bowls, and here's the milk. And every morning from 6 to 7, and this is why we had Christian school, and we had to go to school and be at school every morning at 8 o'clock and had to drive out to town, kind of like we are now. We were about four miles out of town. Only we just lived four miles from there. But anyway, um, uh, you know, from 6 to 7 every morning, they didn't see me. I was in my room praying. The only thing that's going to get your kids through is prayer. It's not just going to happen. In the 50s, you might could just, it might just happen. In the Leave it to Beaver and Ozzie and Harriet days, it might just happen. But anymore, it don't just happen. Your kids make it through, it'll be because you prayed. And you're going to have to, if you have to get up in the middle of the night and pray, if you have to get up early and teach them to put the cereal in the bowl, I don't think my kids are hurt because they put their cereal in their own bowl. I wonder about mamas that do every blessed thing for their kids. I'm telling you, they don't turn out good. They make sorry husbands. I wouldn't want my daughter to marry some of your boys because they can't do nothing for themselves. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I mean, really and truly. I ought to, boy, I I should kiss the ground my mother-in-law walks on. Because I'm telling you, she raised a good husband. You can raise a good husband or you can raise a sorry one. I mean, I tell you, we had a man in our church in Seminole, and his mother literally, they told me this story that when he was 13, she was still feeding him. But we had a lot of men in our church that they come home at 5 o'clock and, and, and they were, you know, get me the tea and get me the, you know, and, you know, they couldn't do nothing for themselves, couldn't pour a glass of tea for themselves, couldn't fill their own plate, could, you know. Hallelujah. And I believe in serving and loving each other and, and serving one another. I think that's good, and I think we should. But we should teach our children, and we should, moms should have some time. Kids can wash clothes. They can be taught. Now, I'm kind of particular about that, actually. That's the one thing. But I tell you, I taught my kids. They could clean a bathroom. Chris says to this day, Colin, clean the bathroom better than she can. You'd get in trouble if you didn't do it right at our house. Amen. Amen. And, they could, and when we cleaned house, we all cleaned house together. And every week, folks, we were through cleaning the house in an hour and a half. You got four people cleaning and going as hard as fast as they can. We cleaned house once a week in an hour and a half. We was through, and then we went about the work and the ministry. And Eric, I promise you, two years old, and I say, here's your dust rag, son. See them legs on that chair? See, see, and it's a lot easier. They're low to the ground anyway, so, you know, 
Dusting chair legs is real easy when you're two. And it's not always perfect when they're two, but they're getting the hang of it. And you know they like it when they're two. And I was taking a Bible study course, and pastor was cleaning for me for a season there. Him and Eric would get up, and they'd put on Morris Chapman, Longtime Friends. And that song, y'all remember Morris Chapman, Longtime Friends? Y'all don't remember. Hallelujah. He's a, he was a, y'all remember Morris Chapman? Okay, well, he used to sing this song, Long Time Friends, and Eric's two years old, and Michael would be vacuuming, and Eric would have some little golf cart thing. He thought it was a vacuum cleaner, and he was, he'd be vacuuming. See, they like it when they're two. You can't wait till they're 16 and say, Now, son, you ought to clean your room. No, you start when they're two, and you make them pick up their toys. Amen. And then by the time they're 10, they're doing something else. And when they're 15, they're doing something else. And by the time they're about 15, 16, they can clean house. They can wash clothes. They can iron clothes. They can do everything. And you know, it's not so mama can sit on the couch and watch soap operas and eat bonbons. But it is so that you, you, do, you need some time to pray. You need some time to be in the Word. And you are the responsible to make the time. And daddy needs some time. I just don't understand what a daddy's thinking that's got anybody over eight years old and he's pushing the lawnmower. There's something wrong with that picture. God thinks there's something wrong with that picture. Teach that boy to work. Teach him to work hard. Give him a work ethic. I don't understand, parents. What are you thinking? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Did you never hear that? Don't let that kid lay on the couch all summer. I was so concerned when the year Colin got his driver's license. I was like, I was crying out to God. What are we going to do with this kid and a driver's license this summer? God, I want him busy. Lord, help me. I mean, I didn't want him running up and down the road in sea graves. And I knew he'd want to. And I prayed. And Myron came to Seminole, Texas. He came and so he called up and said, Can I come visit y'all? He came in our church and sat down in the office and said, I'm going to YWAM. Cimarron, Colorado, and began to tell the vision of him and Leanne going to YWAM. And he just happened to mention that they take teenagers sometimes to come up and work all summer. We said, I said, That'd be good. Now, I love my kids. I didn't want to be away from Colin for 10 weeks, but I wanted him busy all summer. I wanted him real busy. And so guess what? We, we didn't make him go. We presented it to him. But Colin went to 10 weeks all summer of chopping firewood. <laughs> Hallelujah. So good for him. So good for him. I don't understand mamas and daddies making penny wastes out of their little boys. Don't do it. Why am I on this? I don't know. Somebody needed that lecture. Hallelujah. And make your girls work. Hallelujah. Make them cook. Teach them to cook. Boy, I tell you, the little girls are like, the kids are like, no, I, this is what you do if you love them. This is not what you do because you hate them. This is what you do because you love them. And you want them to have a life. And when they go to college, you make sure they don't have enough money. So they have to work. You don't want them hanging out in that dorm. 
You don't want them just playing all day, every day. You want them to work. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then it won't be such a shock to them. Well, that day they graduate from college and, they, and uh, that boss wants them to work. <laughs> what? They won't be like Maynard G. Krebs. Work? No, y'all are, y'all are way too young for that. Nobody in here remembers Dobie Gillis but me, right? Oh, Lord, only one. That is bad. <laughs> Woo. Where am I? I know, but which number? I know, but which? <laughs> 20, okay. <laughs> okay. Hebrews 12, 3 is where we're going. <clears throat> For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Um, <clears throat> faith endures contradiction. Faith endures contradiction. Jesus, it says, endured such contradiction. When when the circumstances are contradictory, faith doesn't budge. Doesn't matter. We endure contradiction. Glory to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 4. We have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Faith has perspective. Ye have not yet resisted the blood. Faith is not, I'm the only one suffering. You know, the devil wants you to think that you're the only one suffering. Everybody else at church has it so much better than you. They all have more money, and none of them are sick. None of them are believing God. That just simply is not true. There's hardly anybody in here that's not believing God in some form or fashion. And just because they're saying fine when you say how are you doesn't mean that they're not enduring a contradiction. So faith has a perspective. Hebrews 12, 5. And ye have, and, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye, would be, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Faith isn't offended when it's rebuked. Do you want to be right or do you want your answer? You have to decide that, you know. Do you value your feelings over truth? Would you be willing to have your feelings hurt if it meant getting healed? Amen. Amen. Do you welcome and even ask God to correct you? Do you want to live or do you want everyone to treat you like a baby tender toes? The Bible said there, if you read on down, verse 10, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. Our profit. Chase correction is for our profit. How many of you want to profit? Hallelujah. So we have to be teachable, don't we? We have to be willing to be corrected. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Amen. Hebrews 12, 12. 
You know, sometimes the servants of God don't pat it and make it all so nice and sweet. I know one time our pastor in West Texas said, Debbie, you need to be more flexible. I mean, he didn't even say it nice. He didn't worry about how I took it. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, now, Debbie, you know, if you could, you know, because sometimes to get through to us, if we sugarcoat it too much, we dismiss the whole thing. Sometimes to get through to us, God has it come out just like that. Debbie, you need to be more flexible. And I was like, you know, it hurt my feelings. But the truth was, I needed to be more flexible. I needed to be corrected. Amen. It was for my profit. It was for my profit. Hebrews 12, 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Faith encourages others. Faith is not so consumed with its own trial. Faith encourages others. It lifts up the hands with hangs down. It strengthens the feeble knees. Faith is thinking about others. That's a good way to get healed and get healed fast. It's start thinking about somebody else and start helping somebody else. Uh, <clears throat> faith stays out of strife. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man shall fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Boy, you've got to stay out of strife if you want to walk the faith walk because the Strife is a, can turn into a root of bitterness and can defile everything. So faith stays out of strife. It forgives. It gets rid of bitterness. Hebrews 13, 5. We're just nearly there. Hallelujah. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Look at this. He hath said, so that we may say. Look at that. In verse 5, it says, He hath said. And then in verse 6, so that we may say. I wrote, I wrote a circle around, He hath said. Then drew an arrow to, so that we may boldly say. He said, so that we could boldly say. Faith confesses boldly. Faith confesses boldly. What did God, we look at what God says so that we may boldly say. Amen. Number 26, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Faith isn't a lone ranger. Faith hooks up with somebody. Somebody of faith and then follows their faith. And here it says right here, a real big clue. Don't just look at what they see, say, look at the end of it whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. It always amazes me how many people will follow people off whose lives are a wreck. Don't just look at what people are saying, but look at their marriage. Look at their children. Look at their, their, their lives. And, and look at the end of their faith. The end of their conversation. Don't just look at what they say. Look and see if they're making it work in their lives. Um, number 27. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Faith gives thanks. Faith gives thanks ahead of time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Your healing power is working in me right now. Faith is just so very thankful. <clears throat> Number 28. Faith gives, faith gives or communicates financially. Hebrews 13, 16. But, do, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Anytime you see the word communicate in the Bible, it's always talking about finances. Faith gives financially. Communicates. Number 29. Faith submits to authority, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. If you want to be in faith and you want to walk by faith and you want to be healed, you ought to be profitable to your pastor, not to be one of those members that he goes home going, oh my God, what am I going to do? In other words, a grief to them. That you're a joy. You're a joy to pastor. We have a church that's full of people that are a joy to pastor. We don't go home fretting about you. Now, we've had some before that we did. But I can honestly say we don't have... Now, we have some that, that we would like to do a little better. They could do better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not towards us necessarily, but towards their own lives. They could do some things that would help their own lives more. That's what I'm talking about. And so we kind of think about that. But, you know, basically, we, we have a, a joy here. So um, uh, you, you submit yourself, and you, uh, you obey authority. And you submit yourself willingly. I know two times I have gone to my pastor when I was believing for healing and said, what do I need to do different? Submit myself. What do I need to change? And one of them said, tell me what, you're, tell me what you do all day, every day. To start in the morning... 7 a.m., what are you doing? I, I had to go through my whole life and tell him what I did all day, every day. And when I got through, he said, you're not doing anything wrong. Just keep doing what you're doing. But I submitted myself. In case I'm doing something wrong, I want this to work. Some people just aren't, they just don't pay the price to get where they want to go. They don't take the time. They, you know, you say, go talk to pastor, and they don't ever get around to it. Their wife says, you need to go talk to pastor. They don't get around to it. They act like they're afraid that, that somebody might tell them something was wrong. Well, somebody might. Hallelujah. But you should want it. If you're wanting to live a long life, be satisfied with long life, you're wanting to be healthy, and you're wanting to be prosperous, you should welcome it. Okay, number 30. Hebrews 13, 21. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen uh, faith has an end faith has an end if you will apply yourself to these things the things that I've told you tonight and these are things that you need to take home and meditate if you're in a faith adventure you're believing for healing you're believing for anything you're believing for. You need to take home and you need to meditate these things and, and go over them. I've been over them and over them and over them and over them many, many times myself. And uh, uh, if you will apply yourself to these things, there will come a time when Jesus, who is the author, the developer, and the finisher, one version says, of your faith, he will say, this man meets the faith requirements. This, this woman meets all my requirements, all the faith requirements. And uh, Satan, you can no longer hold back the promise. And you see, God's not holding back the promise. But the devil will hold back the promise. He'll hang you on a technicality. Amen. But you will come a time where you meet the faith requirements. Hallelujah. Your faith will please God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up together and let's pray. Let's just bow to him sincerely and say, Father.